uh, earlier than the one that, of last week. Last week's was written in 2003. I wrote one in 95, 96, and 98. So we'll read them chronologically. Um, and we'll see how far we get today. If we finish, today will be the last class. If we don't, next week will be the last class. Okay, so we'll do it by the basis of, of that. So, again, just to remind you, there was a whole list of, um, I, was, I got on a law committee in, I don't know, 92, 93, somewhere around there. Had to learn basically what it was to sit around the table uh, and feel comfortable uh, with my colleagues. Uh, both to be able to comment and to start a, a, pro a procedure. Um, and the first one, and again, I got a list of questions that I thought th that they said might be interested to do it. Uh, and the first one, and the ones that I dealt with to a large extent, uh, were ones that both interest me and, and didn't take an enormous amount. You see, I had to learn something outside the halak issues, but were not of such monumental. Um, biomedical kinds of things that it would have taken six months to learn, which sometimes you do, uh, or, or electronic things or whatever you're dealing with. Um, I did consult, as you'll see in each case, with individuals um, about the issues outside the halakhic realm, because you have to get the realia of the situation. And the first question I dealt with was, delay a pidyon a ben, uh, which I actually get many questions about, and I felt it was an important question to begin to respond to, um, and you'll see why in a moment. So, here are copies, and that's the first. This is where we'll do them chronologically, on the basis of when I wrote them, and we'll just do them that way. So, though there's a couple of people here, in, in my, uh, the Vov class, or now called the Gesher class, I teach a life cycle class, and we always do Pidyan Aben, and I must tell you, most people don't really know too much about it. Um, and I usually ask the question, how many people have had a Pidyan Aben? How many people have, have been redeemed themselves? So, we'll ask here, how many people have been redeemed themselves? Okay. Okay, I have two. Uh -uh. <laughs> I have also. You, you have not been redeemed. If you have, then somebody goofed. And I, know and I know your dad well enough that he would not have made that mistake. All right. How many people redeemed their child? Oh, no, I, uh, I didn't. I only asked a question. So far. Everybody's got an answer. So, you know, you can. What? No. Grandchild. No, not a grandchild. I said child. So the question, of course, becomes why it is is it so rare under those conditions? Doesn't it have to be the first Just wait a second. Just wait a second. Just wait a second. Just so the issue, therefore, becomes it is it is considered an important life cycle ritual, but it's not considered to be one that everybody has to follow through on. So, now, why, when does a pidyon occur? First issue of the womb of the 
Okay, so number one, it has to be a firstborn son, firstborn to the mother. That's what the Torah actually tells us in the chapter 13 of the book of Exodus. Okay, firstborn son to the mother and the first issue of the womb. What else? Natural. Has to be natural birth. Okay, so that means that takes out what? Cesarean and if there has been a stillbirth, an abortion, something that has occurred first, it's no longer the firstborn coming out of the birth canal. And what else is necessary? 30 days. Not the time, but what else is a necessary condition? What is a necessary condition for a pidgin event to take place? Jewish mother. Hmm? Jewish mother. Yes, well, of course, a Jewish mother. I mean, of guess. A lady or Israel? Uh, is what? Is or, or is what? It can be or Israel. Kohen or Levi are exempted. It can't be a Kohen. Both mother and father have to be Israelites. Both mother and father. So if it's, she's a but Kohen or a but Levi, it does not occur. Okay? So that's why it's important to know your pedigree. Some people say, well, it doesn't matter, it's all patriarchy. It's not in this case. Okay? So it only occurs if one firstborn to the mother and a son, two, and opening of the womb, two natural birth, three both parents Israelite. That's why it's so rare. And I would suggest that if you go back a little bit of time, so now that's that's sort of the reason of the uh, of the who, why, why do we do a pigeon event? So that's supposed to be a child doesn't he have to devote his life to service in the big midrash? Okay, so the child does not have to officially in ancient times. The firstborn child, just like the firstborn animal, was dedicated to the temple. In some societies, he was actually sacrificed. Okay, actually sacrificed as the animal is, as a thanksgiving. The opening of the womb as a thanksgiving. We know that in Judaism, or in Israelite religion, I should really say in this case, that was abhorrent. And we know that because of a couple of reasons. One reason is, why is child sacrifice abhorrent? How do we know it? The Akedah. Okay, whatever the story is of the Akedah, clearly God does not want that child sacrificed. Avraham, Avraham, etc. Why else, how else do we know? Okay. What? You're told in Torah, I think it's after you see it in well, no, no, not, not to sacrifice in particular. We're not talking about sacrifice, okay? All right, so what's the, what's the word in Hebrew for hell? Gehinom. And what is Gehinom? It's the valley. It says Gehinom, as you know, if you stand on the old walls of Jerusalem looking towards Silwan. That is Gehinom, the valley of Hinom. That's exactly what it means to be the Valley of Hinnom. Right. Okay. And what happened in Gehinnom that it became synonymous? 
Okay, so when the Assyrians attacked Judea after destroying the northern kingdom, they destroyed the northern kingdom around 722 before the common era, they came south, they sacrificed children as a way of inducing the gods to help them in the siege of Jerusalem. They, of course, failed, and that became abhorrent to it, to Judaism, to Israelite religion, I should really say, if you're really exact. As Jeremiah talks about it, others talk about it, and that became the geographical place of the worst possible thing, and that became ultimately our understanding of Gehenna. There is no real place. Closest you can get in the biblical place is Sheol. And Sheol is sort of an intermediate place. The Jews believe in heaven and hell. Well, not really. Not as geographical places. Not as geographical places. You can talk about Sheol as, as David does in the Psalms and in other places, but that's the best you can do because there's no real sense of it in a geographical spot. Okay, so we now have the first part of you don't sacrifice. So, therefore, what happened? If you didn't sacrifice the child, we know of children who were actually given to the Mishkan or the temple. In particular, Samuel, Shmuel. Hannah promised that if the child would be born, she would give him. And the interesting part is, it's, it's Shmuel Kishealtiv. His real name should be Shaul, to be very honest with you, but his name Shmuel. Okay, so his name Shmuel, he's given. We know of another story in biblical times where that changed and actually was part of our uh, Torah reading this past week in, in essence too. Where did it change that no longer was the firstborn going to be given in, in, in the tabernacle? The golden calf. Okay, the golden calf, the Cheta Egil, when the people are cavorting around and Moses wants to identify who are loyal to God, he says, Mila Shem Eli, and who comes? Shevet Levi. And he says at that point, you are going to serve. And not too long after, and if you read the Torah portion of this past week, when you get towards the end, it had a census of the Levim and said they were in place of, and if there were too many Bechorim as there would have was, they had to be redeemed. The Levi, or eventually the Kohen, took the place of the Bechor serving in the tabernacle, already part of the census of this past week of Bamidbar, and eventually, of course, Beit HaMikdash. Yet another example of how your timing is always impeccable. Yes, thank you. Thank you. My timing is impeccable again. Right. 29 years ago, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Perfect. It was this week's Parsha. So, here we go. So, we're now dealing with, we know of the why, right? We know of the procedures, the what. We, who, who are involved in a Pidyon Aben? A Kohen. Officially the father. Can be the parents. And the baby. Okay? So I'm not a Kohen. So when people ask me to present, I'm glad to explain it. But we have some friendly Kohanim who do it. Michael's done some for us. Larry Weiner's done some for us. Ernie Ernie Alavashalom used to do something for us. All three of them, unfortunately, are not here. I mean, it's the one morning I could have used Michael and Larry here, and they're not here. And Ernie, unfortunately, for sure. So, yes, all three. But nice to remember his name today, right? So, yes, I worked with all three of them to do the, the Kihuna. 
and all of them. Uh, so uh, tell Michael the one he missed was actually all about him. You know, <laughs> you never know which one you're going to miss. <laughs> uh, and Larry was a, a minion, so and so we, you know, we and we say so that's the, the, finally the last question is when. When does a pigeon event take place? After 30 days. Supposedly on the 31st day. Why does it take place on the 31st day? Okay, so first of all, it's known as a barkaima. There was a belief that if a child did not, anything less than eight months could not survive. We today do modern miracles. Children, month and a half, two months, three months, are able to survive. It's simply when you deal with the biological, the, the medical miracles of our age, that's one of the medical miracles of our age. But go back, you know, what happened to our grandparents or great grandparents? Many children died in, at a very young age, if at all, you know, etc. Okay, so it was seen that it was seen that after 30 days, it was a child, what's known as a barkaima. He could. Can, can still be alive after 30 days and once so therefore you waited that period of time. The other issue is if you really look at it a brief milag takes place after the first unit of time the next week the next unit of time really of closure is a month and so the child in this case is a month later. That's the win. Now just as an aside is there such thing as a pigeon habat? The answer is officially no Okay, if there, there are some who are willing to do it. My own feeling is it's a bracha levatala. There's no bracha that you would say appropriately. You want to have a party and make it something symbolic on the 31st day for a girl? Vivakasha. I've worked with that, no problems. But a pidyon as such, she would have never served in the, in the temple in Jerusalem, in the tabernacle, in the sense. So it, to me, it becomes actually a bracha levatala. Okay, of an invalid bracha. You want to get, again do something that makes sense. No problem. We had, a, we had some chad then for both boys. Yeah, that's a, that's a difference. Okay, so right. Right, that's a difference. That's fine. Again. Would you explain what you just said? You I had a simchat then for each of my boys because I'm bat kohen and therefore I was not obligated. We weren't obligated to have a pijon haben or able to have a pijon haben, and we wanted to have a celebration, so we had a simchat then. Oh, and we had a small little ceremony and a celebration. Was it on the thirty-first day? Yeah. Okay. Good. It was. It, it, what about it? What? I didn't hear. Isn't that, isn't that why they have a baby naming? No, the baby name would be equivalent to a brit milah. I mean, the boy's given his name as at the brit milah. That would be the equivalent. Okay, that would be the equivalent. So that, and, some, and some girls have some kind of Any other questions? Now, the interesting part is, I would suggest to you that if you go back. And a few decades, most conservative Jews didn't do a pidyon uh, just the temple and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, there was a revision, there was sort of a revival of it in the last little while. The men's club in particular wrote a whole very nice booklet on it and, and pushed it. Um, people are back into ritual and those kind of things too. So I, I, I would think in, in the last while um, there's many more, etc. But as you'll see in the chuva that, that I've handed out, there are still people who just have no fathom of, of it or whatsoever. And then when I mention it, you know, life cycle events in class, and we go through them, that's usually the last one mentioned by somebody who, who may remember it, that they were at one, etc. 
Okay, so it's not one now. Can it be done? Do you need a minion present for a pigeon a ben? No. No. It's always nice. Same thing as you don't need a minion present for a, for a brit milah. It's always nice, but not necessary. When Ernie would come home from one, my kids would be disappointed they because they the thought he'd have the baby. <laughs> <laughs> have the baby, huh? I thought the money. <laughs> and you? <laughs> Another son you wanted? <laughs> yeah, I had a time, yeah. <laughs> right, so, all right, finally, how much, what do we use for money? Coins. coins. How many coins? The equivalent of five shkalim. Okay. Normally five silver dollars. It's not so easy to get silver dollars today. Israel used to put out pidyon of ben special medallions as such. The uh, bank used to get it from Bank Lumi. I don't know if they're doing it any longer. Um, when when I, I, I have silver, few silver dollars at home, uh, Sammy, my son, my grandson, Hadassah, of course, did not need to have the pidyon of Ben for Shmuley for two reasons, as we'll see. One, they're the Kohanim, and two, it was, it was C-section. Shmuley was born by C-section, the other kids were natural birth. Um, and uh, Sammy, Shira's son, did need a pidyon of Ben. I actually was in Israel at that time, but I sent some of the coins that I had uh, with Bryna to, to, to get, because it wasn't so easy to get. Um, sorry? Now they have them? Okay. Because people told me they were difficult to get. Them. I actually have some coins in my uh, study here that I keep, but people need them, etc. What kind of coins are they? There should be silver dollars. Should be silver. Okay. It's not so simple to get silver these days. That's why. Okay. It has to be silver. Officially silver. All right. So, has everybody just out of curiosity has everybody seen a pigeon a bend? Though even those who have been there. Oh, wow. Really? It's role-playing. Okay, it's basically role-playing. The, the, the father or the parents say, this is my child, who first born of his mother, as I've been uh, responsible or made responsible by the Torah, I'm supposed to bring him for a pidgin of Ben. And the pidgin of the... I want to be able to redeem him. And the pair and the the coin says, Well, what do you want? Do you want to give him to the temple or you want to redeem him? You tell the parents, it depends if he had a bad night the night before. You get 12 seconds to decide. And of course, he says, oh, Of course, I want to redeem him. He says, Okay, give me the, this is what it costs you. This is give, give me the money. And there is a bracha of Kidjanaben. And the coin takes the money. This is in place of that. That is in place of this, and literally holds the money over the baby, and and, and says as it as it's done, al pidyon aben shachianu That's basically it. Some of it's Aramaic, can be done in any language, can be done in English as well. Um, some of it's Hebrew, um, but it's really what we would call role playing. Really role playing. Rabbi. It would seem to me that it would be an honor to to be <coughs> devoted to the synagogue and serving there. Why would people want to redeem their child from that honor? Oh. An honor to go to the temple? You'd never see your kid again. I mean, oh, the, the, that, this is not simply, oh, I think he'll work with the rabbi for five hours a yeah, day. This is total. Samuel was given to the tabernacle, and he worked with Ailey every day. He never came home. Never came home. 
And so the parents would live in another city and they'd never could see be. the kid unless they Could be. Could be. Whatever. He'd, he'd be oh, devotion to the temple means of death. They would take care of an infant until the child was... That's why it never happened. That's why who need? Well, that's what the Kohen needed. Needed. That's what the Kohen needed. Bring home an infant. Just what I need. <laughs> Great. Then, if we did it that way, right? Yeah. Or age twenty-five. It wouldn't even be possible because there's no temple. Right. right. Today, of course, it's not possible. Yeah. Right. Today's not. But even then. All right. Finally. Okay. So if you haven't seen one, it's actually. I mean, you can. You know, you can. I'm sure you can YouTube it. <laughs> you know, I used to show one with Steve, a young Steve Tobian, uh, as the doing being the the Kohen. Um, it's finally, what happens if you find out that you what? She didn't even finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. It's a great story. Five years anticipates. What happens if you find out that you should have been that the parents? What happens if the parents find out? that they should have redeemed the child and didn't. What do you do then? That's your question. So the answer is before bar mitzvah you have, the parents still have to redeem the child. They don't have to bring him in on a pillow and that kind of thing, but they should officially redeem the child. What happens if you find out in class that after bar mitzvah you should have been redeemed and you never were redeemed? You redeem yourself. There is a procedure of redeeming yourself. It's all symbolic. You're still Jewish. You're still an Israelite. You still have an Aliyah, etc. It's not as critical as as we'll see. And the Shuvah will take that up to deal with uh, um, with Brit Milah. But it still is something that's part of Jewish tradition that should be observed, etc. Okay. So the question that was raised is. What happens if, for some reason, Pidyana Ben was not done, the child should have been redeemed, was not redeemed at that point? Both what we call Lechatchila and Bidiyavid. A priori and ex post facto. Ex post facto means that they didn't know they should have done it or just never got to it, etc. But a priori is. Well, I don't know that I want to do it on Thursday because nobody will come, and Aunt Sadie can come on Sunday because a little later in the day. Can we wait till Sunday? With a Brit Milah, of course, that is not possible. With namings, with girls, they wait until God knows when these days. Yeah, right, right. That's why we said we have a rule six months to the Bima. That's it. I'm not coming at two, at two years to name the child. Because um, that would happen. That was going to happen. Oh, we, we have a bar mitzvah for our kid, and we didn't name the baby, and it's three months, three months, three years old. Can we now have another aliyah? I said no. We'll be glad to name a child, but not on the bima after six months. Um, so, all of these things are tied in, and that was the, the, the tshuva that I did. I can already see we're going to do next week already. So I get, <laughs> this is taking so long just to give you the introduction. Can I ask you a question about the um, the, the lab that is there a thing too if a baby's born on Shabbos, a baby boy, and it's born by C-section, then is the the bris is not on Shabbat? The answer is, is Shmuley was born on a C-section on Shabbat. My kids were born. My grandchildren were born Shabbat or Yanta. It was just every day. Just always a, the 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 Shmuley was born circumcision. The uh, C-section Shabbat. Yes, it's Sunday. Natural, only natural birth will allow you to, to keep it on Shabbat. If it's a C-section, it was a Sunday, which was much easier for everybody. Right. Too. <coughs> Thank you.
Yes. <coughs> Not only in Israel, everywhere. There are people who have it. Yeah, no, no. Shalom Zachar is not not unusual. It's normally the Friday night, the first Shabbat, that the baby boy is born. And officially, it's a lot of superstition because the child has not been circumcised yet and therefore has not been, you know, brought into the covenant and he's still under you know, a sense of danger. So they had a Shalom Zohar to be able to protect the child. We did it with Shmuley. Uh, Friday night, invite people over. What? Yeah, right. No, it's part of it. It's part of it, believe it or not. Anything else? Okay, so this is the tshuva that I... I mean, I didn't have to go through all of that background with everybody because I knew, knew it and so did the people sitting around the table. But that's the question. So what we're going to deal with is not a little bit of ex post facto, but mostly a priori. In other words, people who wanted to move it a little bit later, is that possible or not? If you ask to go to Brit Milah, it's not possible, okay? Unless you really have to. And of course, the real question of a Brit Milah, well, just uh, as I t tell my, my Bob Gesher class, is this question. The, okay, candlelight of Friday night, Candle lighting is five to five to eight, five to eight p.m. Okay, and the baby is born at eight ten p.m. When is the brit milah? Sunday. Hmm? It's actually Sunday because it's not born on Shabbos. The point is, we don't know if it's born on Shabbos. Okay, it's still before sunset. If it's eight, if it's five to eight, it's still before sunset. It's still Friday officially, but Dushat Shabbat is already started, and therefore there's a suffix, there's a doubt, and whenever there's a doubt, we don't do it on Shabbat. It actually would be Sunday. It's one of those odd cases. There are the trivia questions that, that you can keep. Does the same thing happen with the death? Does something happen with the death? In meaning what? Determining the date. And uh, no, then already would be sunset. Okay. Yeah, your side would be sunset. Okay. So we'll let the birthday girl start the reading. Whoa. May pigeon event be postponed beyond the thirty-first day. One of my tasks in my current congregation is to teach a life cycle. See, I, this those. I mean, I told everybody I do this stuff, so. To students of um, a, of uh, bar, bar and bat mitzvah age and their parents, one of the topics discussed is picking Havana, the redemption of the firstborn son. Most students and many parents are unfamiliar with the concept and the ritual. Over the course of six years teaching the class, two families have approached me and recognized that their son should have been redeemed but was not. In each case, since the mitzvah remained the responsibility of the parents until their son became a bar mitzvah, we arranged for the ritual to take place. Thus, I could say to the congregation on their bar mitzvah day, that though my tenure at the congregation was not of such a lengthy duration, I had participated at both the Pigeon Hub and Bar Mitzvah of those two boys. And you, of course, all remember this, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so 
this this is why I said I'm going to take this because I've actually had this come up in class in my life, and it, that's not unusual in these cases. We'll just go. Some, we'll come back to you guys. Okay, Mel. That's why it's supposed to be real silver. That was the, that's the issue with the coins. Just according to the text, Pijon Haben takes place after one month of life. This coincides with the child being Bar Bar Kaima, a Kiyum. Okay, he can live. May 8th, le 8th. Exactly a month by astronomical time, or not. In other words, you ask people, the Brit Milah, the, the child is born at 9.01 a.m. today. When is the Brit Milah? Hmm? No, the Brit Milah. Brit Milah. Next Wednesday. Next what? Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Today's not. No. Today's not what? Today's not Wednesday. Next Tuesday. When on Tuesday? Okay. So the answer for for some of the halachas is May eight le eight, literally at nine oh one next Tuesday, because then it's exactly eight days old. And the the the, the halacha dealt with that and said no, it doesn't have to be. The real restriction is daylight. A breach has to take place during daylight. And as you'll see later with Pidyon Aben, Zrizin Matimin the Mitzvot. Those who want to be more stringent or those who want to take on Mitzvot even quicker, if you will, Matimin do it as early as possible during the day. So if you're going to be halakhically appropriate, it can be any time during the day, daylight hours, but you try to do it as early as possible, if possible, but it's not necessary. But it's not May 8th, May 8th, and so Pidgin of Ben is also not May 8th, May 8th. So even before 901? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, okay, yeah, even before. That's why the halakha question came up. He's not officially eight days old at this point, at 6 o'clock in the morning, at 7.15 in the morning. Can you still do it? And the answer is yes, as long as it's the daylight hours. Okay, so the question then became, in terms of the 31st day, do you have to wait May 8th, May 8th? Meaning the child was born at 4 p.m. 31 days plus later, you have to do it at 4 p.m. And therefore, the Shulchan Aruch deals with the question. The Shulchan Aruch in Yoridea 305.11 states, The firstborn can only be redeemed after he has passed 30 days of life. After the 30th day, he should be redeemed immediately so as not to delay the mitzvah. Okay, so that means when? On the 31st day. That's going to be important to us. The 31st day, it doesn't have to be. He turns at 4 o'clock on today, at the 30th day, and you have to do it immediately after that. It's the 31st day, which is really already, the day starts at night, obviously, so it's the next day. That's the case. So it's 
No, it's not Arab. It's the next day. It's the day after. Because they're usually Okay? But that's still not so clear. So go ahead. Okay. Though there is a disagreement among some sources as to what exactly constitutes 30 days and whether a full moon can be seen as approximately 29 and a half days, the prevailing custom has been that the firstborn is redeemed on the 31st day. In fact, Asher Anshul Gunwald in Zohar Abrit states many are accustomed to do the pidyan late in the day so they are sure that the full time period has elapsed. Go to the last part. Okay. Grunwald does not agree with this custom and suggests it is better to fulfill the custom by being zealous in doing the mitzvah and not wait until late afternoon. Okay, so in other words, again, how do you count if it's supposed to be Chodesh according to the Torah? How do you count Chodesh? Some months are 29 days, some months are 30 days. Okay, and you all know why and such. And under those kind of conditions, therefore, so what do you follow? Do you take the approximate 29 and a half days? And the response of the, of the halacha was no, you take 30 days. Chodesh being the thir- sort of the maximum, that's 30 days. And so one of them says, well, that means 30 days, does that mean right after 30 days? Or do I have to wait till the 31st day until the 31st day itself? 4 o'clock today means 4 o'clock tomorrow? The response is no, we don't have to wait. Any time on the 31st day is good enough. Now, again, lest we think that this is, you know, picky kind of stuff, when you're dealing with law, you have to know this. Okay? If you're dealing, most of you didn't have to deal with a, with a pidyon aben, but if you're dealing with brit milah, you have to know exactly when you can do it. You don't just say, oh, I think I'll do it the day before. No, you can't do it the day before. Sorry. Doesn't, okay? Can I do it the day after? No, not really. I mean, so when it comes to Pidyon Ben, again, what does the Torah mean when it says Chodesh? Ulamala. What does it mean? Does it mean hour to hour? Etc. Fair questions until today you know the answers. But as you see the progression of the legal stances being taken, very legitimate questions in terms of trying to figure out when something takes place. Because from a legal point of view, this is Mida Oraita. This is from the Torah itself, and therefore, you got to do it right. And what the question is, since the Torah doesn't tell us, what is right? So what we have so far through the Shulchan Aruch is, it's the 31st day, the next day as such, and it can be any time during the day. You do it if possible, if you want to, as early as possible. But sometime during the day, it's not me'et le'et at all. And Chodesh means 30 days. Okay, everybody with me? Yeah. You know, I was thinking, the Pidyon Chavan is somehow, not halachically, but there's a connection between the Shaloshim uh, morning, period of morning, and the, the fact that they're using this number, you know, after that. Uh, I would say that the, t- the, 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 this is much earlier than the Shaloshim period, but I would say the same kind of thing. What is the first unit of mourning? A week. Right. And what's the next unit of mourning? 30 days. And, and what's the last unit of mourning? A year. A year. The 11 months is, an, is, a, is, an, is something else. 
Okay? So when you deal with units of time, because what are you going to say? It's going to be 14 days, 15... I mean, it's tough enough that, you know, yesterday they had to explain to people that though they don't sit Shiva, it's still seven days, and Yantiv is seven days. You have to figure out the mathematical... Sorry, they finish Shavuot, by they've already done 15 days of Shloshi. So you can't really live that way. If you want to be able to calendar things in a normal way, you pick units of time that make sense. Everybody knows what a week is. Everybody knows what a month is. Everybody knows what a year is. Once you start dealing with the odd things, which... For instance, you do when it comes to Shiva and Shloshim issues related to holidays, before, during, and all those kind of things, that's when you got to sit down and really explain to people. And you don't want that to have to happen. So yes, I think from the point of view of, of chronological time, yes, I think there is a connection. Not, not Shloshim and Pidyan Aben, but units of time. But units of time. I do think so. I understand. What do you mean? Not? Ah, okay. But if the moil can't come on Shabbat, because. Ah, okay. If it's supposed to be Shabbat Suyantav, it's supposed to be Shabbat Suyantav. We have a chuva, and I'll refer to it in one of my other papers that Rabbi Arna Goodman wrote that if, it's, if there's too much desecration of, of, of Shabbat Suyantav, you can wait till the next day. In the Orthodox movement, that's happening as well. If you can't get a moil, then they're saying we'll do it the next day because there's too much Hilul Yantav. Some of them will stay some, certain places. Uh, when my sister Allah Shalom had, had a baby boy, the Moyle said, I, I won't come to you, but if you come to me, then I will be able to do the bris, so we will do, uh, okay? And, and that kind of thing. So you try, but it's, it's not always possible, etc. Now, again, and what can happen if, if a baby is born, um, you know, was born last week on, on Wednesday, Alright, you've got now Wednesday and Thursday, not really, you're waiting, wait, waiting till afterwards, then it's already, you know, the ninth day, etc. So, you, halakhically, it should be on, on, the, on Shabbos and Yantuf and Yom Kippur and everything else, but there are extenuating circumstances today that even the Moilim here who are Orthodox follow as well. Did your sister live at the Moil's house? What? No. Right. Only the temple. It was only service in the temple because of it was again in the ancient Near East the firstborn was given to the temple. Okay. No. No other way. Not the rabbinate or the head of the communities or anything else. Okay. Phenomenal statement. I understand what he says basically is it's a real question. Is it like Brit Mila that if you haven't done it on the eighth day, you're already every day you're going against the mitzvah? Okay, you're over as such. Or is it not as serious? Okay, understand the question because it's 
Really, as we'll see, there isn't going to be a difference between Brit Milah and Pidyon Abin. The Rosh is a is a Talmudic commentator about the 14th century. Oh, about the 14th century, I think. I have to, have to look it up. So in Parshat Bo, my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, it says Ushmartem. Okay, the question, it's written like this. Okay, and the question was, is it mitzvot or matzot? And I, I actually gave a sermon once on the fact that I read it wrong from my bar mitzvah teacher, I'll show now. And I have a red mark in my tikkun because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Okay? Which way did you read it? It's it's matzot. Okay? But you, re- you can easily see it as mitzvot. Okay? And that's exactly the way the, the midrash took it. So I. Use that as a basis for a sermon. Ushmartem et mitzvot. Ushmartem et mitzvot. Mitzvah habali adcha. Look, you got to learn it the Hebrew because im bat mitzvah liadcha al tachmitzena. Okay, tachmitzena. Of course, a play on chametz. All right, and what is chametz? Things that blow up, inflated, etc. Meaning, don't wait. Okay, don't wait. It's not hubris in this case. It can be in other cases. What it means in this case is you're waiting until the matzah becomes chametz. You're waiting for 18 minutes and beyond. Mitzvah al If you have a possibility of doing to mitzvah, don't delay. Do it as soon as possible. It's a play on those words in Parshat Bo. Okay, because it could be read matzot or mitzvot. And so the rabbis took this midrash. Now, little did I know when I was 12 years old, almost 13, that I was playing on a midrash when I made the mistake. Um, and what basically has in this case, all right, um, you should basically say, meaning, don't wait. If you have a chance of doing it on the 31st day, you have to do it on the 31st day. I have a philosophical question. So, wait, 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 one time. At the there are a lot of commandments in Torah that we don't do because there's no temple. Why did they choose to... We don't do because there's no temple. Why did they choose to keep this one even though there's no temple to have service in? It's a good question. And I think there's no good answer to that. I think it's a way, again, of being... This is your firstborn, okay? And it's a way of showing gratitude after their bar kaima more than anything else. I mean, you're right. Why didn't we just drop this altogether? It doesn't have any sim- it's symbolic. It doesn't have any practical purpose whatsoever. Brit Milah, we understand. You're part of the covenant. This, you don't have a pigeon of men. No ramifications whatsoever. And how do we know that? Because most of you did not have a pigeon of men if you're even if you're males. So it's not necessary. Brit Milah is a different story. But I think part of it simply is that it was one of the life cycle events that became part of uh, of a cel- possible celebrations and, and kept that way. I, I don't know if I have a better answer. 
exactly. Lachmitz and his damnut. And, and also, uh, we do keep Kohen and Levi in reading the Torah, although we don't have the set temple anymore. Correct. So, That's another good reason. Again, most conservative synagogues do, not all do anymore. So. There's also a concept that has grown up. You always should hurry to do a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get to that. Exactly. Right. You don't. Why? Because what it means is, if you don't do it now and you delay... We all know what you put off once. Okay, I, I work with students now at Spurtis, and I tell them when they when they do their papers, I said, my suggestion is, get them in on time. Because if you don't, you will delay it, and you're not getting a mark. You're graduate students, and I don't care how long it takes, you're not getting a mark, and if you don't graduate, that's your fault, not mine. I'll get it back to you as soon as I can, but get it in, because if, if, you, if you don't do it once, oh, I'll get to it. We all know that. All right, we all get to it. My biggest issue now is these lousy emails, if you will, that if I don't get to it right away, they sit and then you forget about it and you remember, oh, two days already and I didn't do it. This instant communication has its real horrible stuff attached to it in that sense too. Both your expectation and their expectation in this realm. Okay? So, Hamitzvah Bali Echal Tachmitzen is a very good practical thing. Jane, we will meet next week. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so <laughs> we ain't getting close. We're lucky you finished this one. All right, let's keep going, Alan. Alan, you want to read? One should what? No, no. One should therefore do the mitzvah as soon as one is physically able. However, what if that is impossible? Pidyon uh, Haben does not take place on Shabbat or Yom Tov, uh, unlike the uh, Brit Milah, because it is considered a business arrangement. Why is it a business arrangement? You got money involved, so you know immediately that you can't. If the if the thirtieth day or the thirty-first day of Shabbos or Yom Tov, you can't do it. It's not a matter of you don't want to do it. You can't. You're dealing with money. Because you can do business on Cholamoid. There's a question of whether you can work on Cholamoid, but you can still do, you can go shopping and all the things, so you can deal with money. Okay. Uh, the Zohar Hafrit quotes two possibilities as to what should occur if Shabbat or Yom Tov are the 31st day. The Shukhan Alit states if the 31st day occurs on which is exactly we follow it. But there is another possibility. If it's Hamitzvah Habaliadcha Al Tachmitzena, don't wait. Zrizim Matimim Hamitzvot. When else could you do it? No, you can't do it Friday. You can't do it beforehand. But you could do it Saturday night. Okay, that's already the thirty-first day. Be the that Marcy, that'd be the twenty-ninth day. Okay, you can't do it the 29th day, but you could do it Saturday night. So keep reading, Marcia. That's good on the window. Carol believes that one should wait until Sunday, since presumably he believes that the ceremony should take place first. Ah, that's the key. Otherwise, as we'll see, so there is a possibility of doing them at night sometimes. However, Nefarabrit also quotes another source, Responsa of Rabbi Asad in Yeridea. There are some who hold that if the pigeon is to take place on Shabbat, you should perform the ceremony and have the festive meal on Saturday night. 
This view holds that since the ceremony can take place in the evening, it should be done as soon as possible after the conclusion of Shabbat, so as not to jubilate the Pidyon more than is absolutely necessary. And you, if you got a chance to do it, you can't do it on Shabbos. It's Asur. But you can do it Saturday night. Why don't you just do it Saturday night and keep going there? Or, as we'll see, Zrizim Matimin La Mitzvot, those who want to hurry up to do the Mitzvot right away, the, the halacha became that you do it during the day, according to Cairo. And therefore you would wait until Sunday. Meaning, as I began to look at this, there is a delay automatically where there is no a specific delay. With, the Brit Milah should take place on the eighth day, no matter what. Shabbos, Yantav, Yom Kippur, etc. If it doesn't, there's another extenuating circumstance. Here, there is no way that Pidyon event can take place on Shabbos or Yantav. It has to be moved to the next day, according to Allah. So there already is a possibility of delaying it. Whether you do it at night, or whether you're doing it the next day, you're, the Halacha says you have to delay it. When we do it on Shabbat at night, it's considered already on Rishon. Right, of course. But they're saying, does it have to be done? Can it be done at night? A brit can't be done at night. Oh, right. So okay. There's nothing wrong about having it on Rishon at the end of the day. Well, that's what we're saying. That's what the halakha became. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, these two views, I believe, are based on the question whether one sees the 31st day as essential to the performance of the mitzvah or a stated goal. In the book, Pidyona ben Kehil Hato, the author, Gedalia ben Yechiel Overlander, quotes the sources for these two conflicting points of view. He states that while the Rosh believes one should not delay the performance of mitzvah, this is only zezut to expedite the mitzvah, and this is not a special requirement for Pidyona ben, so that the mitzvah would not be fulfilled if it is not accomplished at its proper time. However, others disagree and suggest that after the 31st day, he transgresses the commandment each day It's a positive commandment to do it, and every time you don't do a positive commandment, you're sinning, quote-unquote. Okay? And therefore, if you do it the 31st day already, hmm, 32nd day, 33rd day, etc., Okay, so that's it. Both Overlander and Grunewald disagree with this latter view and accept the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch and the majority of Postim, including Rabbi Avadja Yosef, that one who delays the Pidyon does not transgress the commandment. That's a really very important issue for me. If you have to do it the 30th day and you can't, because it's Shabbos Yantav, and you do it the next day, fine. You're not over base. You don't. Uh, you don't in any way transgress the commandment because you can't do it. But what happens if you want to do it on Thursday? It, they, it's supposed to be on Friday, let's say, and you say, no, I don't want to do it on Friday. It's too difficult. It's Shabbos. No, 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 no. Later, and I want to wait till Sunday. Each day that you do, does that mean you're over and say because you've waited a day? It's not because you can't do Shabbos, you could have done it Friday, which was the 31st day. Okay? What, what I've been able to show here is Oberlander and Grunwald and Ovadia Yosef, who's clearly a, a major posek, said, you're not over each day. Which, by the way, as you'll see on Brit Milad, does apply. How do they, what do they base that on since it is a mitzvah maaseh? Like... And I think it's a good question, and I think the only way that you can take it is because 
it's not so essential. It seems less important. Right. It's much less important than than Brit Mila, which is Midoraita, incumbent upon all males. Okay, incumbent upon all males. This is yes, Midoraita, but not incumbent upon all males. And therefore, you can't say that they're necessarily equivalent. If one doesn't have a Brit Mila, according to Strikalata, they can't have an Aliyah. They're not really part of the they're part of a you know, not part of the Jewish people in the covenant. If one doesn't have a pig in a bin, so you make it up. You do it again, or we do as we saw. Or you don't do it. You're still part of the covenanted people. So I think, and I think that's the issue, because you're right. Couldn't you say that they're equivalent in that realm? And that's what I have to deal with here, because if they're equivalent, then no, there's no delay to pigeon a bin. If they're not equivalent, then there is a delay to pigeon a bin. And the way I started to look at this was, officially, according to Allah, there is no delay for, for uh, Brit Milah, unless the child is, of course, not well. That's it. It should take place on Shabbat, should take place on Yantav, should take place on Kippur, etc. Pidyon Aben, there already is a time that I can't do it. Shabbos and Yantav. So it is possible under those things. That already created the, the, the little bit of a difference for me to be able to look at this differently. But you're right. Well, why? And I think that's the answer. The answer is, it's a nice custom, not essential in that sense. So like, pray to break me love. Well, there's also the question that came up before yeah, about right. the temple. Exactly. Gone. So they didn't see it in the same realm. They were realm. holding on to something. That Correct. They didn't see it in the same realm. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. They didn't quite see it as the same realm as a break me love, which was clearly... Very important. Well, and the consequence of not having a brit milah is that you're not the boy is not part of the covenant. The consequence of not having a brit milah is that the boy is supposed to be in the temple. Right, right, right. You're right, you're right. Exactly. You didn't have you didn't have a pinion of ben, and there's no ramifications in that sense because you're a lady. I get it, right? But no ramifications whatsoever. But it doesn't matter if you're a lady or not. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. Nor did my son. Nor did any of my grandchildren. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just a general question. I don't know if you want to answer. To what extent does the synagogue replace the temple? I mean, we could also say the boy could serve. Oh, I don't want the boys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is a well, we bunch of little boys running around here. <laughs> it, it doesn't replace it under these conditions, whatever, whatsoever. Replace the temple from the point of view as as a makom kadosh, where sacrifices used to take place, and now tefillah takes place. That's really it. Okay, that's it. It doesn't really, and even that doesn't apply because you can daven everywhere. You couldn't do sacrifices everywhere. So, in some ways, we say, you know, the tabernacle, the Mishkan, to the Beit Mikdash, to the Beit Knesset. But it's only because we need a place of, of community in, in that sense. Um, look, we know, my archaeologists will prove it to you, that there were synagogues already during Second Temple periods. Without a doubt, they went on. What did they do there? We don't know exactly. They didn't sacrifice. They did come together as a, as a kihilah. They may have offered some prayers. We don't know exactly. Okay, But synagogues existed, during, even in Jerusalem, during the Second Temple times. Without a doubt. So already the institution had started. We believe the institution started in the Babylonian exile, when you didn't have a temple. You needed something to congregate people together. Okay? And that's where synagogue becomes the, the place. But other than that, no, nah, that's just what I need is little boys running around here. It's bad enough it's kiddish I see little boys running around here and the parents not watching them. Jewish faith, uh, it, in a 
Messiah suddenly appears, does the temple get reestablished at that point? The, that's another tough question. The answer is, according to many of them, yes. According to the Rambam, no. According to the Rambam, the only differences will be in the world to, to come. There won't be any subjugation of nations. Doesn't really say sacrifices will come back, which is why he was criticized, and eventually his works were burned in Europe, etc. Many of people believe will come back, and yes, we'll have to return to sacrifices and we'll come back. And others say everybody will go up to Har Hashem, the way Isaiah takes it, and Micha takes it. The coming back of the, of the Mashiach is not known uh, at any point in time. It could occur at any time. Correct. Which means the temple could occur at any time again. There are people re- waiting for that to occur. Well, the Kohen, the main ones are the Kohenim and Levim. The, again, the Israelites don't matter that much. It's the Kohen and Levi. True, and the and the Beta Migdash is true, and again, the coin has to be pure to be able to go in. We need the red heifer, all of those kind of things. Okay, um, so we didn't even make it through this one. So we. Um, you knew that. No, I really wasn't sure. I mean, so so what we'll do is we will pick up. It says once Pizyon Ben has been postponed. It's actually a good concept there. We will meet next week. We will finish this one. Um, I should say, you know, Bli Neder. Um, finish this one. The other two are rather shorter. One deals with anesthesia and Brik Milah. And one deals with the induction leading to, to birth of a baby on Shabbat and Brik Milah. So we'll do those uh, next week. We'll meet next week. I'll have Marcy send out a note when we're back. But I would doubt it very much. There's no reason for it, I would say. But... I don't want to say nobody does anything because I just don't know. No, but I wouldn't think so. All right, hopefully we'll see you over Shavuot. Chag Sameach.